0: And will you please open your Bibles again to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 to 32 with me. These are Apostle Paul's precious words for us. Precious because, did you know that these are the earliest recorded words of Jesus Christ? The very first words recorded. That's because the book of 1 Corinthians was actually written before any of the gospel accounts. about only about 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. That means these words were passed down to us by the disciples, faithfully transmitted, and Paul wrote them down. So that in verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. These are precious words. Precious also because they provide Jesus' own interpretation of his imminent death. How did Jesus understand what was coming? Well, here we find out. So if you're a Christian, these words are probably very familiar with you. Perhaps you've even memorized them because they're also the words of institution that's part of the Holy Communion service. In verse 23 again, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. You could probably repeat it from memory. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. But whether you're familiar with these words or they're new to you, it's worthwhile to slow down and rehearse the last events of Jesus' life on earth, to listen to Jesus' own words and his own interpretation of his death. And I want to draw special attention to at least four levels of meaning that are expressed in Jesus' words about himself. And these four levels of meaning are then applied in the Lord's Supper that we're celebrating together tonight. So first of all, we remember Christ's sacrificial death on our behalf. And second, we personally appropriate the benefits of Christ. And then third, we celebrate our fellowship in Christ. And finally, we joyfully anticipate Christ's return. And if you like alliteration, you might remember it this way. We remember, we receive, we rejoice until Christ's return. So let's start with we remember. We remember Christ's sacrificial death on our behalf. Have a look again at the text. Verse 24, Jesus says, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus is celebrating the Jewish Passover meal with his disciples here. And this ritual meal symbolically remembers God's rescuing of his people from slavery in Egypt. And as part of that rescue plan, do you remember this? Israelite families would slaughter a lamb. The blood of the lamb was then put on the door frames of their homes. And and when the angel of death passed over each house, if there was a lamb's blood on the door, then the firstborn child was spared From the plague of death in a very real tangible sense the lamb died in place of that firstborn so some readers reading 1 corinthians notice that there's no mention of a lamb at jesus last supper and perhaps that's because we're meant to see that jesus himself is the passover lamb sacrificed in our place In fact, if you go earlier in this same letter, 1 Corinthians, Paul refers to Jesus as our Passover lamb when when he says that he has been sacrificed as the Passover lamb for our sake in chapter 5, verse 7. So, I want you to imagine that Last Supper. Jesus takes this smooth, unleavened bread and he breaks it before his disciples. And he says, my body is for you. It's bruised and broken in your place, he says. He says, and Revelation 5, verse 9 describes it this way: Worthy are you, Lord Jesus, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And this is the beauty of the beauty of the cross that Revelation is describing. The, the beauty that we remember in Jesus' words and in the breaking of the bread at the Last Supper. So Jesus continues in verse 25. In the same way, he then he took the cup, and after supper he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So Jesus is saying that in the breaking of the bread and in the the shedding of his blood, he establishes a new covenant, a new promise. A promise that's not based on the Old Testament laws, but on the forgiveness of sins by faith and the gift of the Holy Spirit to all believers. This is the new covenant promise. Jesus says, do this, rehearse this, repeat these words and actions together, share this meal together, so that you will remember everything I've done for your sake. So first then, in the Lord's Supper, we remember Christ's sacrificial death on our behalf. What's the first R? We remember. And that brings us to the second R. We receive. We personally appropriate the benefits of Christ. So one of the amazing things about Holy Communion is that it's not a religious ritual that only insiders can understand. If you're new to Christianity, if you're visiting us tonight, I'm certain that there are going to be things about tonight's service that are a bit odd, a bit strange, a bit new to you. But the simple message of the symbolic meal is the proclamation of the universal good news of God's love in Jesus. And that's a message that anyone can hear. Because every human being can relate to eating and drinking. (laughs) This is a universal symbol that we have. Saint Augustine called the supper, proclaiming the gospel in visible words. Visible words, isn't that great? And Paul agrees with, with that in verse 26 of our passage. Have a look at verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Isn't that a strange way to describe the meal as a proclamation? The word proclaim usually means to show or to announce. It's usually used in the New Testament to refer to the verbal proclamation of the gospel. But here, Paul says that we actually proclaim the gospel in both word and sacrament. We proclaim it, in fact, using all five of our senses. So so imagine for a moment, we see the bread and the wine, and we remember Christ's body and blood given for us. And then then we hear Jesus' words, this is my body given for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. We we hear these words explaining the meaning behind the sacrifice. And then we smell and we touch the elements as they're placed in our hands. And finally, we, we put them to our lips and we taste them. We taste them as we eat and drink by faith. All five senses are being used the whole person is engaged in this gospel message. In other words, we receive the gospel in a way that goes far beyond mere mental recollection. And in this way, we actually begin to personally appropriate the benefits of Christ. And these benefits are far too numerous for for me to elaborate on all of them. So I've chosen three, three that I wanna show you that directly connect to the symbol of eating and drinking. So, first of all, just as a homemade loaf of bread, a warm loaf out of the oven, together with a rich glass of red wine, they nourish your body, don't they? They nourish and bring joy to your taste buds. So, too, the richness of Christ's reconciling death, the new life that he gives you, it nourishes your soul and fills you with joy in a very similar way. Another benefit, just as when I ingest bread and and I drink wine, They become part of my body, inseparable from the rest of me. That's a picture. So, too, the richness of Christ, Christ's reconciling death, his his death and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit within me, they unite me with Christ so that I'm united in that same way that's inseparable. And then finally, what's another benefit that we see here in this symbol? Just as I come forward tonight with open hands, empty, bringing nothing to receive food and drink at the table. Just as that, so too I receive all the benefits of Christ simply by faith, as a free gift, not because of any hard work I've done, not because of any religious obedience, but simply by grace. So there's three benefits in Christ that are symbolically represented every time that you come forward for communion or every time that you read the The words of institution are hear them on Jesus' lips. And when you you come forward tonight, those of you who are here in person, you will hear this. Drink this in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your heart by faith with thanksgiving. So you see, it's not enough just to remember Christ's sacrifice on your behalf, but also you must personally appropriate those benefits. The first R then is remember, and the second R is Receive. Remember and receive, which brings us thirdly. To we celebrate. We celebrate our fellowship in Christ. That's why we're here tonight. Well, for many years, my family was part of an intergenerational community group, and uh, and we shared meals together before Bible study and prayer every week. We shared a meal together. It was constantly the highlight of my week. There was noise. There was chaos there was a lot of laughter, all of us around the table together. And of course, we were really sad to lose that for almost two years because of the pandemic. And, and additionally, we we also know that we lost, we lost Holy Communion, didn't we? We lost the table together uh, here at church for a long time. And even though I was grateful that we could find a safe solution, you know, where we could have the wafers and the wine in the individual plastic cups, I was grateful for that. Nonetheless, I often felt more like a chemist, I gotta tell you, with my little beaker and my test tube and, you know, preparing those cups for Holy Communion. Because symbols matter, don't they? Symbols matter. So Jesus didn't take 12 hermetically sealed plastic cups and say, This is my body. He took that one loaf of bread and he broke it. And and that one loaf and that one cup symbolize our unity together. Our unity or communion with God and with one another as the body of Christ. And so in the chapter before this one, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 to 17, Paul describes this relationship that we share in this meal. He says, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. The symbolism is rich. And this word participation is koinonia. It can mean sharing or fellowship. It means also that we're not spectators. We're participants in the sacrament. This is also why We gather around a table for a meal. We don't gather around an altar. Because Jesus' death was once for all. There is no re-sacrifice happening in the Lord's Supper. There is, in fact, though, a table. It can be a fancy table, it can be a plastic folding table, it doesn't matter, because it's table fellowship for all those who are in Christ. This is our family meal that we're celebrating. So let me remind you where we've arrived so far. We're exploring the four levels of meaning that are here in Jesus' words at the Last Supper, which are also there in the Holy Communion service. First of all, that we remember Christ's sacrifice, sacrificial death on our behalf, and that we must receive the benefits of Christ. And then we rejoice in our fellowship in Christ, and that's the third R, isn't it? And then finally, we, re- we joyfully anticipate Christ's return. So what's going on in this meal with with this joyful anticipation? Well, I don't know if you've ever thought about Holy Communion as reorienting your sense of time. We think of time as chronological. It goes forward. When we look back, we think of history. We might think of history like 1867, the history of the origin of Canada. And so, when we remember that, we remember it as a historical event. But the New Testament doesn't use the word remembering in that same way. So, when we look back at Jesus' death and resurrection, we don't remember it just as a historical event. This is how one scholar puts it remembering Jesus' death and resurrection means remembering in such a way that we see our participation in the past event and we see our destiny and future bound up in it. So you see how the sacrament reorients the way we experience the past, the present, and the future. We look back at Christ and we don't remember it just as a historical event, but we also look around at one another and at our world and, and we're spiritually nourished as we feed on Christ by faith and with thanksgiving. And we see the world differently because of, because of this meal. And Gordon Smith writes, We live now in our work, in our relationships, indeed in every dimension of our lives as people for whom everything is altered for good by the reality of Christ Jesus' death and resurrection. And then finally, we look forward. We look down down the path of history towards the day when Christ will return. And if you look at verse 26 of our passage, this is how Paul puts it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim Christ's, the Lord's death, until he comes. So Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead. And when he does, the Bible promises that he will gather up all those who call him Savior and Lord, and he'll invite them to this great wedding banquet. The Bible calls it the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 19, verse 9. And as we wait... As we wait for that great day, the, the Lord's Supper is kind of like, it's kind of like those potato plants that Matt Damon's character in the movie The Martian. He grows them on Mars and he counts time by them and, he, and they give him hope. They give him hope that he can survive this, in this harsh world. It's a meal of hope that we are sharing. It's a meal by which we count time. It's the meal by which we are assured of our salvation through Christ's sacrifice, the meal by which we are trusting in the benefits of Christ's saving work. We're united to Christ and one another in fellowship, and we're confident that Christ will return to fulfill all of God's promises. So we've covered a lot of ground tonight, and I hope that as we've meditated on these precious words from Jesus that have been passed down through Paul, through the church to us tonight, I hope that this will deepen and enrich your own understanding and experience of Scripture and of the Lord's Supper tonight. So let me remind you of those four R's one more time. First, we remember. We remember Christ's sacrifice in our place. Next, we, re- we receive. We must receive the benefits of Christ. And then we rejoice. We rejoice in our fellowship in Christ. And finally, we, re- we joyfully anticipate Christ's return. And I want to conclude by reading a poem from the 16th century Anglican George Herbert, which is really an invitation to the table tonight. This poem's titled Love Three. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin but quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful? Ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, who made the eyes but I?